Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Hello, everybody. My name is John Bootsma. Welcome to the Leaders Alliance podcast. I am filling in for Michael and Diane Brodeur today, who are enjoying a uh, much blessed time off, we trust. Um, just really appreciate Michael and Diane's leadership and mentorship of Leaders Alliance and the podcast. But just for those of you that maybe are new, Leaders Alliance uh, really is existing in prefer in in kind of a, a sense of vision and preparation for this harvest a billion souls has been thrown out there and uh, believing that it's just so necessary for the church of jesus whether we fixate our time in the local church within the four walls or in the marketplace where the majority are but just to really see a collaboration together and equipping a training a preparation for discipleship and ultimately to see the lord's coming and returning. But as we collaborate one with another, I feel like we can be boosted and strengthened in our faith and our resource base and our knowledge. And the church can begin to lay a hold of some of the impact that we've lost over previous decades as we really reunify around what the Holy Spirit's doing on the planet today. And so for that reason, we're blessed to be able to interview a large number of different people from different backgrounds, different spheres of influence, but we all have the same heart of uh, wanting to see an equipping and a training of the church till we all reach that place of maturity together. And so today, it's great joy to be able to interview uh, a friend of mine who we first met back in Toronto in the late 90s, Mark and Jane Berlinson came from the UK to Toronto. We served together in the outpouring of the spirit that was there. And Mark since then had uh, kind of pre- uh, you know, led me by a couple of decades in coming to the States. I'm right now in Kansas City. Mark is just outside of the Myrtle Beach area. And, uh, and we want to welcome Mark to the screen right now. Mark has just an exciting journey, uh, great chapters of life that have happened. Not all, all of them have been easy, but Mark, I've come to realize that through the decades, there's a lot of maturity. There's a lot that you have to be able to release to the body of Christ. And we're thrilled to have you on Leaders Alliance podcast today. So welcome. Thank you, John. It's great to be with you. And um, Mark, I know some of your story, but a lot of these other people don't. And so <laughs> we're going to ask you a number of different questions. But why don't we just start by taking five, 10 minutes and, you know, just hear a little bit about who is Mark Berlinson and share some of the key things that have helped form who you are and the direction that you're going today. So over to you, Mark. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, interesting fact about me is that I actually am a citizen of three nations. I started out in the UK, uh, as you said, John, uh, then moved to Toronto, became a Canadian, uh, worked there for five years. And uh, that was a move that was a surprise to me. Um, but then so was the move down here to the States, which is going on 20 years ago now. Uh, but uh, I've been a believer for a long time. And uh, when I was in conference, well, I say I, my wife and I and our kids, we were all in conference center ministry in the UK uh, back when Toronto first moved into revival. And uh, through that time, I realized now with hindsight that uh, my, my biggest mistake in leadership was to not really uh, have a revelation of God as a loving father and therefore not be living as a son. Uh, but simply to be living out of an orphan heart, trying to strive for yeah. success, uh, make, 
make something of myself, <laughs> please God, <laughs> by my own effort. And that really wasn't a pretty sight um, because that meant I didn't fit in a team. And so that's how in God's economy, and I have this name for God, I call him Jehovah Sneaky. Uh, he sometimes will put us into settings where uh, things aren't going well so that he can maneuver things to bring us into a better place. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, as we got pushed out of that conference center ministry because of my uh, immaturity, basically, uh, we then found ourselves uh, in Toronto for the uh, Father Loves You conference back in, I guess, November 97. And in that conference, I had such an encounter with Father God uh, that it completely changed my heart and turned me around which was beautiful to, to experience, but it's also fueled and given direction to the rest of my life since then. And uh, the reason we were in Toronto for that conference was to see whether God wanted us to join the staff there, which we then did. That's how you and I met uh, back in the early part of 98. And uh, through that whole season in Toronto, uh, we really received so much healing, uh, so much freedom because God wants every one of us to recognize the, um, the lack in our upbringing where we haven't been in full relationship with him and bring us into a place that's what he designed us to be. And uh, our hearts were really healed through that time uh, and have continued to be since. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, so we were in Toronto, I guess, for nearly five years. And my leadership journey grew tremendously then because it's a setting of, still is but was then as well where John and Carol especially had developed this this knack or this gifting from God to be able to push people into places that God wanted them to go and to open doors for us to step into what we might otherwise have avoided. Uh, I called it the Arnott School of Ministry where he would say look Mark here's the deep end and then push you in it and uh, yeah. uh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you'd have stories too John but um, through that experience, I found myself encountering God in a deeper way every time I was challenged to step out. Um, I, I liken it to walking on water, you know, like Peter stepped out of the boat because Jesus was there. Uh, and even when he began to sink, Jesus grabbed him and pulled him up. And uh, uh, that's been part of my journey along the way as well. But another recurring theme along the way has been encountering challenges that weren't what I would have planned for me. You know, I think here, particularly in the American church, we have this feeling that the Christian walk should always be sort of up and to the right, uh, always constantly improving. Uh, and we're getting more mature and God keeps blessing us more. But in truth, uh, I think every one of us has had a journey where we hit the wall or we find ourselves suddenly out of what we thought was the trajectory we were, were on and into a new trajectory, a new uh, setting. Uh, and some of those challenges have been the ways that I've grown the most through through my leadership journey. Um, uh, like I said, with the, the change in Toronto, moving to Toronto, that was a huge jump forward for us. Uh, but then God moved us on from there about five years after we'd moved to Toronto. He moved us down to South Carolina to work alongside Jack and Tricia Frost. Um, uh, it was an unexpected change, but it was certainly a welcome one in terms of having opportunity to, to really minister the Father's love to other people. Uh, and so I worked alongside of Jack and Tricia for, uh, for a long time, um, the second speaker in the ministry, going to places that Jack wasn't able to get to, 
but also developing leaders schools where we could train leaders how to bring the father's love into their churches and we worked a lot with business leaders as well networks of, of businesses in in cities that were uh, local networks that wanted to express the kingdom uh, in their everyday business life because they were believers and so it was a really uh, challenging but uh, but a very strong growth time for us uh, but the biggest challenge was then after i guess we we're about four or five years into that season was when Jack got sick and then he passed away. God yeah. took him to heaven sooner than we would have wanted. And of course, you can imagine that would be a huge challenge for any ministry. Uh, the way it worked for us, we stuck around for a couple more years while Trisha kind of found her feet. But it was very clear that in order for Trisha to develop the ministry into what she wanted it to be and what she was called to make it, we were actually not a good fit for where she was going. And we needed to step back and out of that which we did because it was her ministry of course um, but uh, that was a difficult time for us in leadership because uh, we wanted to be very honoring um, and so if we were to highlight a, a difference in vision that would have seemed a dishonoring thing uh, and so effectively we had to um, uh, we had to ghost a lot of the people that we'd been uh, in leadership with uh, in order not to be appearing to be creating a division between Trisha and us. We love Trisha. She lives locally. We still know her, still get on very well with her. Uh, but it was a season where God took our paths and went like this with them and uh, put us uh, on a set on a different path each. And so uh, that challenge, I guess, would be one of the most embarrassing seasons in my life because my wiring is always to make connections with people. And so to live in a season where it just wasn't appropriate to continue uh, connection with people that we'd been in leadership with because of our, our position in ministry, uh, now not being able to have that sort of influence in their lives because it wasn't appropriate, uh, that was a very hard time for me because it cut across a lot of what I was all about. But God opened more doors for us, and I'm grateful for the learning process that he took me through, through all of that. I think, yeah, I guess, the yeah. theme of what I'm saying is every time you, you, you hit a bump and things go wrong, don't assume it's not God, because often it is God. Um, when, when Jesus picked up all the baskets of what was left over after the feast, feeding of the 5,000, he said, nothing is going to be wasted. And, and so often in my life, I've found that when things look like they're just broken pieces, God picks them up and puts them in his basket, and he uses those to feed other people. Yeah. So that's Mark, a big Let me, let me interject there. Let me interject yes, there, Mark, because um, I mean, that's I, I was aware of that, but more at a distance. Um, obviously, you lived it and I was in another country at this stage. But, you know, to me, what this reminds me of is, is of course, you go through this phase of what's my ministry? What's the Lord got for me? And you want to develop it. But of course, you've been so radically impacted by the revelation of the father heart. You realize that it's not about Mark and Jane. It's ultimately about the kingdom. And the king will, and it's about serving others. And so what do we do? You come alongside Jack and, and Tricia, you get underneath them, you serve them. Your goal in one sense was to make them look good. Jack passes. It was tragic for the entire body of Christ. I know many were so, so hugely impacted by, by their ministry and by what Jack carried. But it almost sounds to me like a John the Baptist situation where you're like, okay, Tricia must increase, we must decrease. And I feel like that in itself was a bit of a test, isn't it? Because I feel like if we pass these tests along the way that the Lord will honor us later. And so I, I just want to say, Mark, you know, may the blessing of the Lord increase because it sounds to me like there is a really key test that you guys went through 
And it was a test of the father heart, you know, because I think knowing that it's like, no, we're going to push that orphan tendency down, but see to see what the Lord would do from there on in. So that's uh, that's an exciting, that's kind of an exciting story. Maybe it didn't seem so exciting when you're going through it, but I want to applaud you. Say, well done. You guys chose well. Thank you. Uh, it's very interesting. I said, you know, the, the healing of the heart is so vital. Jane and I still, even just this, a couple of weeks ago, going through more ministry just to see what God wants to do. And one of the things that I, I experienced in ministry just a, a short while ago was the, a fresh revelation that to do nothing in that separation season was actually true sonship uh, because it wasn't dishonoring the ministry that God had placed us into and now had taken us out of. It was creating honor by being quiet. Um, and, and it was a, something I would not have seen if I hadn't been seeking more ministry. So um, I think to, to, to your point that we made the right choice, I don't know that we actively made the right choice. I think to be really transparent, I think all I knew to do was to cling on to God and what I knew of God and to let happen what God was going to let happen so that he could carry me through. Um, and that's, I think, what he's done again and again as I look back over my life to, to this date. Every time there's been a challenge, every time there's been a, a crisis or a crunch point, because there are more still uh, that are part of the story down the line, um, the, every time I'm grateful for it with hindsight, but it was really tough at the time, but every time what I've learned to do is to just dig into him uh, and to hold on to the, the foundational truth that I'm his son and he's my father and he's the one who's leading this thing. Uh, so when Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do, he, he was giving us a model for all of us to follow. And if father's not doing it, I don't want any part of it. And if father doesn't look like he's doing anything, I'm going to wait for him and not do something myself. Because uh, I think that's a crucial part of us becoming the leaders he wants us to be. Yeah. No, that's those are valuable lessons, Mark. How many people take decades and they never learn that, even in, even in the ministry? And so I would say, you know, for as I observe it, I, I've said it before that I feel like the lens through which I want to see all doctrine is, is the lens of the Father heart. But that's the lens through which you want every heart decision to, to come forth of what's, what's the father doing? That's the way Jesus operated, didn't he? And he's our model in all yeah. things. So how, totally. how else has that steered? How, how has, has your ship been steered really as you sought to listen to what the father has for you, Mark? What are some of the other things you've found yourself getting involved in? Well, when that season with, with uh, Shiloh Place came to its kind of natural end, uh, a door opened um, without me really pushing on it to actually become uh, one of the pastors at our local church, the church we'd been attending while we were involved in the, in the more itinerant ministry at Shiloh Place. And uh, that church, uh, I don't think it's saying anything out of turn to say that it wasn't a, a, a comfortable fit. It wasn't a complete fit uh, with, with who we are and what our journey had been. But it was a partial fit, and there were certainly ways that my uh, strengths and my gifts were of benefit to the team there. But I think it would be fair to say, and I think Philip, my senior pastor at the time, would say he found it challenging just as much as I did. Uh, both of us had to navigate through the challenges of understanding each other. 
And actually, with hindsight, I almost wish I had known more than I knew then about the way we're wired differently and how to navigate some of those things, because I may have been able to do better than I did at navigating through that season. But it was a time that I knew God had put me into. Um, and there was this deepening commitment to submit to, uh, to, to leadership, but also to support someone else's vision. Um, that whole idea of the more you serve someone else's vision, the more God can give you your own. And yeah. I feel like my own vision for my own leadership and Jane's and my vision for our leadership, because we're very much a, a together leadership uh, in our leading today, uh, that grew dramatically through that season. But I would be lying if I said it was easy. Uh, it was, it was uh, well, we were eight years altogether, and at least four of them were really challenging in terms of hanging in there and, and staying with the right heart and the right attitude. And it was only God's help uh, that got us through that. Um, but I do believe it was a fruitful time, um, even though it wasn't a perfect fit for who I am and how I'm wired. Um, and again, I'm very thankful to say that um, not only do I honor Philip, the leader I was under, but also we still remain good friends to this day. Um, and when God said it's time for you to move on, that you're done in this setting, he was very gracious to bless us to, uh, to then rejoin the Catch the Fire family in a much more active way than we'd been since we'd left Toronto. Um, and uh, to and then to start the church that we now lead, which is the Catch the Fire Church here in Myrtle Beach. So uh, we've got a good relationship, uh, even though we had a difficult season together, working together. And I guess right. that's the grace of God, isn't it? Uh, where he can take what otherwise would be uh, hard <laughs> or harsh and turn it into, uh, into goodness, into blessing. Yeah, so no, I'm, that's right. I'm thankful for it. Very thankful. I wouldn't be the man I am today if I hadn't gone through each of these challenges, each of these distressing and difficult seasons. Um, just like Jesus was taken out into the wilderness. I'm not saying that, that either of the things that I've described were the enemy trying to tempt me to deny God or anything. But it was a hard time. It was a, a season that was difficult. And I'm very thankful for it now, uh, even though at the time, I would be lying if I said I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair, right? That's that's super yeah. fair. But it it helps form your character. It forms a sense of the trajectory of ministry of life calling that you have. And and Mark, today now you pastor a local church. You have a specific emphasis that the Lord's given you, but you're also very involved in the marketplace. And so let's hear a bit about that and just how you marry the two, how you navigate or juggle, or what does it look like for you and James. Definitely. This is really the fruit of that journey we've gone on because the, the way that uh, many of us would expect it to go would be there'd be a big blow up and we go different directions and there'd be division. That's been the history of the church in America um, so often. And you can tell from my accent, I'm an outsider to this, although I am an American citizen now. Uh, but I love the church in America and I want to see something growing out of some of the uh, the dismantling that's happened in the last few years, um, I think there's a shift, and this is where the answer to your question comes in, John. Jane and I are really uh, focused on, on only doing what God is saying and only saying what God is doing. And we feel like one of the things that has become very clear to us is that the church shouldn't be some big corporate organizational thing, which is what we've often treasured here in the States. 
but it should be much more visibly uh, like an extended family, a place of clear community, a place of safety, but also a place where each person is uh, uh, develops into their own uniqueness and their own individuality. And that's where the overlap with the with the marketplace comes, because for too long we've separated the, the sacred and the secular, if you like. And actually, I don't believe that was ever God's plan. The kingdom of God comes to all of that uh, through the children of God. Um, and so if we are his kids, we should be making just as much difference uh, in the marketplace as we do in the church. And um, so we're working in the way we lead our church family. We're working to break down the barriers. So Jane and I are both intentionally involved in the marketplace as well as in the church. So we don't become seen as professional clergy, uh, separated from all those, quotes, unspiritual people who go off and do regular jobs for pay or whatever. Um, we, we want to demonstrate a kind of countercultural um, alternative to what the church has often looked like in the past. Uh, where uh, you know, the, the bigger the better and the biggest famous name and you all go and it's all about the programs and that kind of stuff. What we look for is a, is a place that's much more an expression of the body of Christ where we're joined to one another. And what I'm uh, bringing uh, helps you to become who you're meant to be and who you are helps me become who I'm meant to be. And all of us together create a kind of a, 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 a gathering place for people who are looking for God in a real way, that they, they become disillusioned with the with the kind of factory type uh, approach uh, that we've often had to uh, to the church in the past. Um, so there's a there's a size challenge in all of that, um, but family really really matters. Uh, you know, I think I can hear your grandkids in the background, and that's it's a great uh, a great illustration because actually family is what God is. You've got yeah. the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and us. Uh, and, and the invitation was always to be embraced into the family. That's why I love the story of the prodigal son, uh, because it's all about coming home. It's all about finding my place. Uh, and that's what I want to live, not just in a church meeting, but in the way I interact with people uh, in the marketplace as well. I love getting into uh, you know, business groups and, 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 and particularly small business. I feel like nobody really necessarily focuses on small business in, in the kind of local community like we have around here in Myrtle Beach. And so I love to focus on some of those settings and bring kingdom values in a way that helps people to work together. So the way I do that is I'm a communication coach um, with uh, with the Life Languages, Life Languages International, based out of uh, uh, Houston, Texas. And uh, as a coach trainer with them, I've learned how to help people build communication uh, bridges uh, through understanding their own profiles, but also understanding each other's profiles. And so that gives me a tool that's really rooted in scripture, but it's kind of disguised a little bit to make it palatable in the business world even to unbelievers, and you can help them understand God's uh, design for them without necessarily saying God has a plan for your life and have you have you um, submitted to it. <laughs> you can lead them into it through the discussion of how they're wired and how they can interact with other people. It's a really valuable tool uh, that helps me to bring the kingdom into the marketplace uh, rather than keeping it inside the four walls of the church building. Because like we like to say, church is not a building, church is people. Yes. And so the church goes to work every Monday. 
or every Saturday or whenever your your schedule does. You know, the church goes to work when I go to work. And and that's why we want to equip people to, to express the kingdom out in the marketplace. That's good. So, Mark, I got two questions that maybe I want to see if you can answer. Number one, can you tell us a little bit more about the life languages and how that impacts believers, you know, that are that are living their life, whichever sphere of influence they might be in. But number two, even some you know, a testimony, perhaps, of how somebody learning about the life language, how that's transformed, changed their life, perhaps put them on a trajectory so that they don't kind of wander aimlessly wasting time, but they feel a sense of focus because they know a sense of their own identity. Absolutely, yes. Well, the life language is about 40 years old now. Um, like I say, developed in, in Texas by this couple, Fred and Anna Kendall, um, being tested all over the world now. I think we're up to about 500,000 profiles in total, which is a lot. Um, yes. But um, the, they are rooted in Romans chapter 12, those seven gifts of the Father that equip the body. And every one of us carries to some extent all seven of those, what we call the life languages. And that's how we communicate. And each language is distinct. Each language is, uh, is like someone you can get to know. Um, I sometimes say to people, if you feel like you've got more than one voice in your head, it's true, you do. You've actually got seven, just some speak louder than others. And um, so understanding the seven languages and then taking my own profile and understanding how I'm wired with my unique blend of which are first and which are last and how intense they each are, um, I can understand myself first and foremost. That's the, that's the starting point because you can't really connect with somebody else until you truly understand yourself. Uh, and I say that as a man who in his earlier years tried very hard to look like lots of other people and tried to pretend that I was something that I wasn't. And so that's when I first met the life languages, I loved the fact that it affirmed me for who I am and gave me insight into how I'm wired. Um, but then I can also understand that you or anybody else are wired differently than me. And so you would have different needs in our communication for us to be able to connect at an effective level. And so too often our communication, we find we miss. <laughs> and, yeah. and what uh, the life languages helps us to do, if we understand which languages we're communicating in, in this moment, then we can connect rather than miss. And so we all speak all seven languages and I can pull up whichever language is needed, not necessarily just for a conversation with somebody else, but for maybe uh, a project or a task or a challenge, uh, how to build a team. Uh, drawing in the, the understanding of the seven helps me then to build team in our church, but it also helps me in businesses as I'm coaching business leaders or nonprofit leaders to help them to build their team and train their team to use all seven languages to address any issue that they face or to, uh, to fulfill their mission or their vision. Um, so that adaptability is the thing I love about this particular tool. Rather than putting you in a box, it, it builds bridges with other people so that you're more effective and more fruitful. So you asked for a testimony. Um, I, I'm going to give you two, if I may. One very briefly. My wife and I both retook our profiles about six, seven years ago, just as I was training to be a, a coach trainer with uh, Life Languages. And I realized that I guess we'd been married 26 or 27 years by that point. I'd always been asking her the wrong question because I would ask her, what do you think? And she could never tell me 
what she thought. And this was so frustrating to me because I wanted her input to whatever decision we were, were, were making. Uh, but when we t when she took her profile again, I realized her first two languages are not thinking languages at all. She's very strong in the responder and the influencer, which are both feeling languages. And so I changed my question and I would ask her now, how do you feel about this or what do you feel about that? And now because I'm asking her about feeling, she can answer uh, and we're getting along much better in the last five, six years than we did in the previous 26. <laughs> <laughs> Made a big difference. Uh, another example that, that, uh, that comes to mind is that uh, one of the nonprofits that I coach, the executive director, is very high in, in the action languages. He's, he's primarily a mover. And, and so he tends to, to charge forward and, and just throw things out whenever he thinks of them. But one of the things I've been coaching him in is that a lot of the rest of his team are not wired that way. He's got, he's got one guy on his team who's a high contemplator who needs space to think. And if you give him space to think, he can come out with some really good insights that other people would miss. But a lot of the rest of his team, because they're in, a, they're in people work, they, they work with uh, non-custodial fathers, uh, helping them to, to rebuild family connections. Um, a lot of their people are very much on the emotive level, the, the people skills level. And so he needs to be able to speak emotive languages to his team to make a connection with them. And he's changed the way he leads that organization. And they've gone from strength to strength. Um, so it's, it's, it's a beautiful way to equip people to fulfill their potential. Uh, and what I love about it is, although it's not um, broadcast uh, on, the, on the front end, all of this is rooted in the way God's designed us. And so what you're doing is you're bringing kingdom values into everyday interactions. Wow. Now, that's beautiful, really, Mark, because communications, I mean, everything that we do kind of bridges on that place of communication. And if we're, if we're missing one another along the way, then we're just going to engage this exercise of frustration. So I could so appreciate the value of what you're bringing through through your understanding of the life languages. Now, I can hear listeners out there saying, yeah, but how does that relate to, for example, the popular one is the DISC profile. And we just were, we had you on our on our Leaders Alliance hub call and somebody asked that questions. But there's other there's other profiles as well, whether it's the Florence Littower one, I can't remember what it's called or some might say Enneagram. And so how would you specifically address how the Kendall life language profile uh, is somewhat distinct and unique from perhaps some of the other ones that we might become more aware of or know more about. Certainly, yeah. Uh, and let me start out by saying there's, there's no competition between the Kendall Life Language Profile and any of the other tools that others may have used. I've used many of those uh, in my own life and in coaching, and they're very valuable. What I think sets the Kendall Life Language Profile apart is that a whole idea that every single one of us has all seven of these languages at some extent. So it, what it does is it always builds bridges if you'll let it, uh, rather than any of the other profiles that tend to put you in a box. Um, now, yes, they'll all help you to uh, reach out of your box and understand other people's boxes, but we're still in boxes. <laughs> uh, you're an Enneagram 4 or I'm a, a Disc I or, or whatever it may be, or my Myers-Briggs might be ENTP or whatever. Uh, any of those um, still boxing you in to, to a certain extent when actually I think we can see our world today has got far too many boxes. There's far too many walls between us. 
And I'd like to see the Life Languages Profile tool bring down walls and break open boxes so that people can be more effective, but without having to make them all the same. Uh, so your uniqueness is of great value. If I can understand how your wiring and my wiring can both contribute to whatever challenge we might face or whatever thing we're trying to work through or whatever communication we want to have. Um, all of the, the strengths that you have and the strengths that I have, this actually helps me understand how to merge them together into something that God can use for the kingdom, uh, for things to move forward. Um, and so to my mind, it's the only tool I found that does that um, Very good. in the way that it does. Uh, that's not, as I say, to, to knock any of the others. Self-awareness in any way you can get hold of it is always helpful. Uh, but what I love is to build bridges and not to build boxes. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Building bridges and not boxes. That's, that's worth it right there. And, and if I could say um, Romans 1, I think it's Romans 1.20 for, I'm trying to remember it. It's, it's a paraphrase here, but um, God is a essentially imparted into all of his creation, his invisible attributes, his eternal nature, his, you know, and, and I look at it and think, okay, the Lord has throughout scripture, so many sevens involved. And I love the fact that life languages is very much rooted in scripture. And you see the sevens and the understanding that you might have this aspect of the character of God in much greater level than I have in that capacity. But it really, you know, to me, anything that we can see rooted and grounded in a scriptural foundation, I give a little bit more credibility to. I think that's super valuable. Do you want to speak to that for a second, Mark? Yeah, and, and I think, again, that, that elevates the life languages in my heart and in my experience because I know for sure it's rooted in God's standards. Now, um, that doesn't mean that I come into a business and I'm preaching at people, <laughs> uh, nor am I firing Bible verses at them. But if I'm doing a workshop with a church, I can give you all the Bible verses that go with all of it. Uh, but the other profiles have often been uh, adopted by the church and adapted by the church to, to kind of put the spiritual applications to them. But at their very core, they've come out of human understanding. And so in my mind, they, they still lack something of the Holy Spirit's breath on them uh, in order to be fully effective in a person's life. Uh, I'm not saying they're not effective. I'm just saying that this one I find is the most effective because whether you realize it or not, whether you want to recognize it or not, there's the breath of God on it as well. And that's yeah. why I love it because I can come into, uh, you know, just a regular secular business and teach them how to communicate better. And they say, oh, wow, this is great. How did you do that? And that will open doors for me then wherever there's the interest to be able to talk about uh, my experience as a believer uh, my journey as a son of God, as well as my understanding of myself through the life languages. And, oh, by the way, this is the way God wired me. Yes. <laughs> All of those things are valuable tools uh, or open doors, if you like, for us uh, in, in the marketplace to, to introduce the kingdom in a non-threatening way. Right. Oh, that's brilliant, Mark. Really good. So just beginning our journey to to wrap up from this point i mean we look at where you're at now you're 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 building you're really releasing a lot of building in what you're doing you've been building within the local church you're building according to a spirit of sonship you've got this marketplace communications consultant expertise area and by the way we should make sure that you write down or maybe make a note of how people can get a hold of you if they want to 
while we're at it as well. But uh, just in the midst of that, you know, you've you've lived several decades. You've learned a lot, having been through the very you know the very thick of everything that the Holy Spirit poured out in Toronto, and that's radically changed your life. So then, if we want to speak to the area of leadership, Mark, what if you were to look back at a you know, at a, at a younger 30, 35 year younger Mark Burlinson, how would you, what kind of recommendations would you give yourself? You know, if you look back at the journey you're going to take and what, how, how would you speak to a younger version of you? Yeah, uh, I think I would probably speak to a younger version of me the way I speak to many of my clients and to many of the members of our church family. Uh, and that is, Whatever you can do to encounter God more fully, you want to do. Uh, so that would be in community and not in individuality. That would be in trust and not suspicion. That would be in um, patience and not, uh, not reacting when something doesn't go right, uh, because God wants to teach you through the hardships you go through. But don't do it alone. Do it with other people. Uh, get people who are ahead of you and make sure they're around you because they will help you into the place God wants you to get. Uh, I feel like the older me is actually helping the younger me to, to relax a little bit <laughs> um, right. and uh, uh, to uh, I, the, the healing process that God's brought me through uh, is so valuable to me that I long for other people to experience it too. Uh, whether they would acknowledge that they need healing or not, I want every encounter with other people to be a healing process for them. And I'm finding that now in our church family, particularly with the, some of the young men that I'm mentoring, um, helping them to be uh, fathered in a healthy way. I'm not telling them what to do. I'm making room for them to become the guys God meant them to be. And I, that fulfills me uh, greatly. Uh, as well as, as being of value to them. But that's what I would say to younger me, find people that you can grow with who will help you encounter God more deeply, more fully, more regularly, uh, more intimately. Uh, that's the key. That's good. No, excellent. Very, very fatherly counsel and advice from a lot of maturity there. So then um, maybe one last question here, Mark, but uh what about regarding leadership i mean i would assume that that same question would apply to the place of leadership because it, it applies to our personal lives but for somebody that's seeking to become all that the father has for them i mean i would think you'd say well take the lead take the light the life languages profile and again i believe your uh people want to contact you it's www.markburlinson.com so very simple to be able to reach out to you if they want to know more about that regard. But just even in developing their leadership, is there anything that you would add to that in that regard? The only thing I think I would add is don't try to become a somebody. Uh, try to become a father. And I mean that for the ladies as well. Become like a mother. Uh, I don't mean the imperfect fathers and mothers that we've all had as human mothers and fathers. But try to become more like your heavenly father. So experience him through the lens of Jesus and uh, watch out for any tendency to uh, look after yourself or to promote yourself or to protect yourself and instead look for his promise, 
I, my thesis is that the very central verse of the whole of the New Testament is when Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. And that to me is the heart of leadership. Whoever I'm leading, I don't want them to experience orphanness. I want them to experience being fathered by God through my example, through my input, through my support, and through my covering of them uh, in the way that God has done that for me. Sucks. Excellent. Really good. Well, Mark, as we close, would you pray a blessing, you know, over everybody that's listening? And, uh, and if there's anything just prior to praying that blessing, if there's anything else that you feel like you'd like to share with our listeners, you know, now's your opportunity to do that. But you just kind of pray us off and bless those that are, that are uh, just partaking of all that you're sharing here today. I'd be glad to, John, and I, I don't feel like there's anything I want to add uh, other than what I'm going to pray for you, which is that you will be who God made you to be. So, Father God, I want to thank you for every person who's listening um, uh, on this podcast today, uh, anyone who's picking up on this at a later date as well. And I bless each one of you, first and foremost, to know how valuable you are to God and how much he treasures his relationship with you, that you would step into the fullness of who you are to him. And then secondly, that as you step into the fullness of who you are to him, you will find yourself blossoming into the fullness of who he made you to be for the sake of others, so that you would find the community that he wants to plant you in, that you would find the relationships that give life to you and that you can give life to in turn that you would know your circle uh, out in the world around us, in the marketplace, uh, in the neighborhood, uh, the people that God is sending you to, for you to reach out a hand and welcome them in to the family of God and into the kingdom of God. That you would know the joy, not of striving to achieve something for God, but of walking hand in hand with your heavenly Father and only doing what you see your Father doing you would know the joy of passing on to others that spirit of fathering and mothering that, that it's the same as our Lord Jesus who said I won't leave you as orphans I will come to you and so I want to bless you and commission you to look for who is God sending you to and to look for who has God put in your life to help you become all that you were made to be so I bless you to know that he is your father and you are his child and everything else falls into place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Mark. And may the Lord bless you and your ministry at Catch the Fire Myrtle Beach, as well as you know, your, your leadership with uh, Life Languages and Beyond, Communications Coach. So thank you. Thank you, John. And you have a great day. Thank you. It's been great to be with you all.